Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's going on, folks? Curtis Wilkerson with Hogsports.com coming to you today with another episode, a jam-packed episode of Hog Hoops Live. The Razorbacks are 7-0. They're top 10 in the country. Some of you are pumped. Some of you are concerned by what you've seen so far. I get it. We're going to talk about it. We'll break down last night's win over UCA. We'll preview uh, the upcoming schedule, take a dive into what we've seen from the Hogs so far, and, and maybe take an early look at what appears to be a loaded SEC all that and more coming your way today on Hog Hoops Live. All right. Here we go. It's been a little while. We had the episode there at the beginning of the season, and then I was on the road, came to you with some live reaction from Kansas City. I love doing that. That was a really awesome event. Before we get started with the show today, I obviously want to remind you of all the ways to watch and listen. You can follow along with us live on our Facebook page. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube page, remember Hog Hoops Live has its own YouTube page, so very important. Would really appreciate it if you hop on there and throw a subscription in. If you'd like to listen to the podcast, uh, we're everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can find Hog Hoops Live at the same place you find Trey's show, Hog Sports Live. Honestly, if you're following along live right now and you haven't already subscribed with us at hogsports.com, you need to consider it strongly. Now's a really good time to do it. Not only is basketball season really starting to heat up, you know, we're on bowl watch for Arkansas football. It's college football portal season. I mean, my man Danny West right now, he probably won't sleep until Christmas, but you're going to love staying up to date with everything that he's dropping. A lot of good nuggets there. It's a good time to join us. Make sure that you do hop in and throw your questions and comments in the chat. Anything basketball related, heck, I'll answer football questions if they're bowl related or Sam Pittman related or Nate Perotti related because that's my boy. All right. Let's get started here. Let's talk about this UCA game a little bit. You know, let me just begin by maybe pointing out that UCA is, look, they're one of the worst Division I college basketball teams in the country. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, that's not being a hater. I I actually really enjoy following those in-state schools. Uh, they're just not very good, right? Uh, sorry. They came in 1-6. and six. They, they kind of had their doors blown off by several teams. Uh, look, Arkansas wins that game 97-60. to 60. It's the most points scored uh, by the Razorbacks this season. That's good. The largest margin of victory in a game this season. Uh, all 13 guys played, including the walk-on. 11 guys score for the Razorbacks. That's great. You know, the, the Arkansas did exactly what they needed to do, I think, in that game. Um, you know, I did mention at the top of the show that, you know, maybe some folks just aren't quite uh, sure about this team just yet. Maybe they're not sold on the high ranking, the 7-0 and start. Uh, like I said, I get it. But here's the deal. Right now, you know, Arkansas is one of 14 teams in the country that's still unbeaten. 
they earned that preseason ranking, that high preseason ranking based on last year's success, you know, compared with, uh, you know, the talent on paper that they have coming in this year. That's kind of how it works with those preseason rankings. It's just, it's justified. And, you know, really to me, the Arkansas also hasn't done anything to drop. Right, they've won all five home games so far by double digits. They've won both neutral site games against good teams to pad the resume a little bit. Where they are right now, I believe, is is warranted, and that's okay. And it's also okay and completely fair, I think, to just kind of simply sit back and watch several of these games early on, and see that this isn't a group that has it all figured out yet. They'll get there. I don't think there should be any concern to that regard, but we haven't seen that a full 40 minutes of good, vintage, Arkansas, Eric Musselman basketball just yet. You know, and really, uh, one of the issues has been kind of playing down to the competition, I think. Uh, just maybe letting teams who shouldn't hang around, hang around. Um, we saw that a little bit last night, you know, as, as Arkansas... Uh, only led UCA by six at halftime, 41 to 35, I believe it was. Uh, you know, going through the motions offensively, uh, a little careless, a little casual at times, um, not guarding the three point line uh, as really a terrible shooting team. And UCA goes seven of 10 from three in your gym in the first half. It, it's not good. Wasn't really good. Um, but you know what? What happened? Musk gave him an epic, probably butt-chewing, a well-deserved butt-chewing at halftime. They come out, they outscore UCA by 31 in the second half, and they look the part. They pass the eye test, I think, for that full 20 minutes of the second half. Some good things from that game, you know, Arkansas shot almost 55% from the field. That's really good. They outscored UCA 60-16 to in points in the paint. 16 steals and 25 forced turnovers. Defense, fuel on the offense. They're plus 16 in rebounds, 22 assists, which is a really good number, uh, to just 12 turnovers. You know, those are all elite level type numbers. That's what you want to see from this team. Some of the not so good, 13 of 26, 50% free throws. Come on. That's got to be better. It's got to be. Four of 18 from the three-point line. Now, listen, this is a problem in, in my estimation, and, and it's not a small sample size anymore. I mean, nine games now, if you include the two exhibitions, and Arkansas shooting 51 of 180 from three. That's 28.3%. It's 5.6 makes per game. Both of those are very, very low. And, and look, I don't, I don't think this group is as bad as it's shooting right now. I also don't think that they're going to suddenly be a lethal three-point shooting team out there. There are a few ways to improve it, uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's kind of one of those glaring areas right now that, that, you know, you have a little bit of concern about. A few notes on players from last night to, to wrap up the UCA talk. Uh, Stanley Mude led the way with 17 points. Uh, I do player grades after every one of these games. I really enjoy doing that feature. Um, I had Amude as my as my MVP, and the reason I did, it wasn't just because he led the way with 17 points, but he had 15 of those 17 in the first half. Um, you know, when Arkansas was kind of sleepwalking a little bit, he was the guy that really brought it. They kept going down to him in the post. Um, he's got that little, you know, that turnaround little fader in there. It's a really tough shot. He hit another three. Uh, he's active around the rim. 
he kind of carried them all offensively there, and he had five offensive boards on the game. You know, I think it's huge to get Stanley Amude going. He's such a he's such a talented player, gifted offensively, and if he's clicking, it kind of adds a new dimension to the Razorbacks. And uh, and that's two games in a row now where I thought he's been really good offensively. He's improving as a defender. I do think that it's a matter of time. And and listen, this is not a knock at all on Connor Vanover. Because I, I like him and Jalen Williams on the floor together. I didn't necessarily think I would. Uh, but especially offensively, they, they got to work out the defensive matchups there. But offensively, the ball moves a lot better with those guys in there. But I do think at some point, we'll see Stanley Amude back in uh, that starting rotation. Just, hey, he's doing great off the bench right now. I think he's one of your five best players. I think eventually he'll be in there when you start playing these more athletic, uh, up-and-down type teams that you're going to see in SEC play. Devo Davis, hey, he was my pick to click for the game. Uh, you know, the guy that I thought might have a breakout performance. I thought, you know, probably the first eh, 10 to 12 minutes, he looked a little lost out there. Kind of what we've seen so far this year, just a little bit uncomfortable, a little unsure. But I think from that point on, we finally got that vintage Devo game that we've all kind of been waiting for. Right? 16 points. I think he was 6 of 9 from the field. Uh, six rebounds. He was really attacking the rim with purpose. He's got that herky-jerky dribble, and, and he's just long, uh, crafty with that left hand, was getting to the basket, was was diving hard on basket cuts and scoring. Those are the things that you like to see from Devo that we haven't seen so far. His defense has been there. He's been a menace defensively all season. I'm, I'm talking more on the offensive end. He's kind of been making that transition to the point guard position, uh, and I think he's been maybe overthinking a little bit, like, okay, I'm, I'm the point guard now. I'm supposed to be distributing. Um, you know what? I should pass up this good mid-range shot or the opportunity to get to the rim and see if I can hit a guy with a pass. And I thought he just was, he was thinking a little bit less last night against UCA for one. And two, and he mentioned it, Eric Musselman mentioned it after the game, um, he's just having fun again. I think part of that comes with not thinking so much, but just having fun. He's such a he's a passionate guy, and you know had a little bit of that swagger back about him. Um, he just appeared to be enjoying himself out there on the floor, and he's a better player when he does it. More good Devo means more good Arkansas. So that's a very good sign, very promising sign. Audis Tony, I thought it was really interesting. He got benched in the first half. I, I guess Must didn't like what he was seeing. It was crazy. The first half was weird, just very uneven. As I said it earlier, you know, kind of sloppy performance there from Arkansas. And, you know, quite honestly, it was probably, I don't know, like three minutes until halftime. I look on the floor, I look over at the stat broadcast, and I go, where the where the hell is Audis Tony? Where's he at? I feel like I hadn't seen him in a long time. Turns out he just wasn't really bringing it. In the first half, at, at halftime, Musselman said, hey, man, I'm giving you about a minute and a half to go out there and show me you got it tonight, that you're going to bring it. And he goes out there in the second half. He goes 6 of 6 from the field. He scores 14 of his 16 points. He was a madman. I think it, it, he scored nine in a row at one point when Arkansas really started to gain that separation that put the game out of reach. Um, looked really good. He, you know, He was challenged. He accepted the challenge. Jalen Williams, man, you know, eight points, a career-high 13 rebounds, which is awesome. Uh, he just continues to be such an unselfish player for this team. 
impacting the game in so many ways besides scoring, but come, this is getting crazy. Like, can we please, can we get the man a double-double, please? Can we just do that? I mean, how many times has he come up one basket short? I can think of three or four off the top of my head. You know, I know they monitor that stuff. You've got two dozen staffers there on the bench. The next time Jalen Williams needs one more bucket to get a double-double, run a set to get him a post-up every possession until he gets it. The man has earned it. Get my man a double-double. Great game, though. Great game. You know, J.D. Note, I thought it was a little bit of an underrated night. Ten points on ten shots. Um, game high six assists. He had three steals, a few turnovers. Uh, the thing about him, you know, guys just don't want to bring the ball up against him. The way he defends right now is uh, is just high level on ball. I uh, thought he looked pretty good. Chris Likes didn't shoot it well from outside. Arkansas needs to get him going. Him and Note from three. Um, Note did hit one. I think he was one of four on the game. Uh, but, you know, with Chris Likes, he, he was 3-7 from the floor, so not taking a ton of shots. But 0-4 from three, this is a guy that, that hits about 53s a year throughout his career, 35-plus percent. Uh, you need that from him. And, and, you know, Arkansas's not shooting it well from three right now, and they're two, you know, most high-volume and, and decent percentage shooters in Note and Likes haven't really been cashing in. you got to have those two guys knocking them down. Even if it's going to be streaky, it's been an extended cold streak for both of them. So hopefully they get it going. Uh, but what I did like about Chris Likes, you know, five assists and zero turnovers. So he was passing up. Some, sometimes he'll take those contested mid-ranges or, you know, really try to go in there and mix it up against some big guys inside. Uh, he was sacrificing some shots and, and hitting guys. He had a really nice just no-look drop-off pass to Devo for a layup. I thought it was one of the plays of the game. Uh, but five assists, zero turnovers, hey. You'll take that from your sixth man. And then the last guy I want to mention, we'll move on from UCA, uh, Jackson Robinson, who I think could be a key to turning this shooting issue around for Arkansas. He got 15 minutes of action, uh, seven points, three of six from the field. He got loose in transition a couple times. He had a big dunk. I like to see that from Jackson. Okay, buddy, throw one down. That was cool, right? Uh, one of three from three. He did knock one down. Arkansas hit a little spurt there. Where they hit back-to-back-to-back threes. Uh, Jackson knocked down one of those. Um, you know, to me, he's just the one guy on this team with length who doesn't need to be ball dominant, who can spot up in the corner and knock down catch and shoot threes, spread the defense, space them out. I think Jax can be that guy for you. And if you can find him 10 to 15 minutes per game like you did last night uh, and get comfortable with him, and, and he follows the schemes defensively. He's not going to hurt you there, but if he gets a little bit more confident as a ball handler, a little bit more of a killer instinct, I think he can really help this team out with spacing and obviously knocking down some some perimeter shots, which they need. So, you know, not bad. 37-point win, you'll take it. Looking ahead a little bit at the schedule, Little Rock coming to town, so back-to-back in-state games, that's cool. Uh, Little Rock coming to town Saturday, 3 p.m. That game is on SEC Network. You know, uh, Daryl Walker, he's going to bring a tough bunch in here. They're always hard-nosed. We know that. They're 4-4 four and four on the season. Uh, a little banged up, too, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure just yet if they're going to be full strength. They, they were missing a couple key players last night. Uh, listen to this stretch for the Trojans. This is crazy. Uh, I, I saw this actually on their website, but when Little Rock comes to Fayetteville on Saturday, 
it will be wrapping up a six-game, five-state, four-time-zone road swing. That's brutal. Six games, five states, four-time-zone road swing. They got blasted at Colorado State on Wednesday, but listen, we talked about Arkansas. That, you know They're one of 14 remaining undefeated teams. Colorado State's also one of those. They're good. Fort Collins is a tough place to play. Ask Chad Morris. At any rate, the Hogs are heavily favored, you know, over Little Rock. Kim Pom projects Arkansas to, to have a 27-point win, 99% odds to win. Uh, hopefully, they can build off of that second-half performance against UCA, maybe put together a full 40 minutes. From there, Arkansas will wrap the homestand uh, December 7th. That's a Tuesday versus a, what I think is a pretty interesting Charlotte team uh, with a lot of high major transfers. They're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, And then you get the largest test of the non-conference on December 11th in Tulsa uh, against Oklahoma, who they beat the Florida Gators last night in Norman. So kind of an upstart team there uh, under Porter Moser, the first-year head coach. Uh, Obviously did some really good things at Loyola Chicago, but so far it seems like it's translating pretty well there at Oklahoma. That's a big win for them against Florida. I, I know they've got another couple pretty important games coming up, but it, it, the possibility is there for this to be a top 25 matchup in Tulsa on, on December 11th, which would be huge, in my opinion. I don't want to dive too deep into it because we'll we'll have another show before then to really do that. But uh, if Arkansas could add that you know a top 25 matchup to the resume in the non-conference, that'd be very good for them. Because if, if you look at it, you know they round out the preseason, the pre-SEC slate, if you will, Uh, from there with, you know, they play Hofstra in North Little Rock, um, Elon at home. Listen, it's not the most daunting non-conference schedule in the world. I do think they have those games that will look better in March than they do now, you know, like Mercer, Northern Iowa. I think Charlotte and Hofstra could could eventually both fall into those categories. We didn't think much of – what, you know, Oral Roberts and Abilene Christian, North Texas last year, and those teams wound up being really good. I think we'll have a couple of those this season. Uh, that's just the way, you know, Anthony Ruta and Musselman's schedule. But in, in terms of those marquee games, that Oklahoma one could be really, really important. Obviously, you know, two uh, nice neutral site wins over Kansas State and Cincinnati already. I think Cincinnati's an NCAA tournament team, by the way. Well, they've struggled a little bit since they played Arkansas. That's the Arkansas effect. You get beat up when you play the Hogs, right? I, th- I thought th- I thought they're pretty good. It's a good team, and it, you know, really too, it's just about stacking wins. It's interesting. It's a little bit of a different philosophy for Arkansas coming into this year because they came into the season so highly ranked. They didn't last year, right? So Arkansas really had to, you know, prove themselves. I guess you could say. Well, they they kind of came into this season getting the benefit of the doubt, right? So they really just have to take care of business early, and that includes early in the SEC slate. You know, I talked about the SEC being really tough, but I, I think the the schedule is backloaded for Arkansas. I mean, if you look at the January games in SEC play, th- there's a chance for the Razorbacks to get off to a, a pretty darn good start. Uh, you know, especially if they hit their stride between now and then. But the SEC is interesting. It's going to be tough. You know, I, I think Kentucky looks the part again. I know you guys will hate me for saying that, but it's true. They, they look pretty good so far. 
Florida, I, I think it, it was overly impressive early on. They lost to Oklahoma. I haven't watched that game yet. I, I want to go see what went down there. Um, but they're always a talented group. You know, Mike White's going to Mike White, but they're, they're going to be pretty good in the regular season, I would imagine. Auburn, I, I believe, is very, very talented. Jabari Smith, a freshman, uh, he's a player. Walker Kessler, they got a you know a 7-1 guy that can run the floor. Uh, I, I really like the combination if Flanagan comes back healthy um, to go along with Katie Johnson, the, the Georgia transfer, they're going to be a tough out. So I, I think Auburn's one to keep an eye on. Bama, I've watched them a few times now. I, I do not think they are what they were last year, but they're still very talented and it's the style that they play that makes them scary because if if they're hitting when they're jacking up all those threes, they're a tough team to beat. Um they have some big matchups coming up on the docket, too. Alabama's next three games are Gonzaga, Houston, and Memphis. So we'll learn a lot more about them over the next week or two. Uh, but, you know, again, to go on down the list, you know, Tennessee has a veteran group, great point guard play. They've got a nice win already this year. Uh, Mississippi State, I think, has a really good starting lineup. I'm not sure about their depth. LSU has surprised me. Uh, undefeated, Darius Days. We know all about that guy. He's been playing at a really high level. Xavier Pinson from Missouri is over there now. Um so, you know, Arkansas really could fit anywhere from the top to the bottom of that mix, depending on how they gel and how some things turn out, which... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I guess it kind of leads me to the last thing I wanted to talk about. You know, Arkansas is ranked number nine in the coaches poll, number 10 in the AP poll, they're undefeated, but I, I, I do think the general consensus, they haven't necessarily looked like a top 10 team so far. That's not a knock. I, I mean, one way to look at it, I guess, is, you know, can you show me 10 other teams that have looked top 10 good so far? I don't think you can. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people watch that Duke-Gonzaga game. I think those are two elite teams. Uh, Purdue, I think, has looked really, really good so far. Villanova's another, but... You know, outside of that that core group of four or five, I think it's wide open right now. And for Arkansas, um, hey, they came in highly ranked. They haven't do, done anything to warrant a drop. They're learning lessons right now uh, in wins, while other teams are learning harder lessons in defeat. So good place to be, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, they've looked a little meh at times. It's fair. And, you know, some of the comments from Eric Musselman I've really found fascinating, and, and he's 100% right. This is kind of uncharted territory for Arkansas being the hunted instead of the hunter. And, and he's talked about, you know, the, the pressure that comes with having that target on your back. 
because you know you're going to get everybody's best shot. And then also, uh, and he uses this phrase, which I think is a great phrase, but he talks about the importance of backing optimism with performance. And it's true. There's so much hype around this team. There's so much excitement built around it. You've got the high ranking. You sold out Bud Walton Arena for the season. There are expectations that come with that, and there's pressure that comes with that. So, you know, on one hand, you've got Musselman who's trying to balance meeting those expectations with trying to take as much pressure off the guys as possible. We talked about uh, Devo and just relaxing a little bit and having fun. That goes for a lot of guys on the team who are trying to settle into new roles. And, and you know, the focus needs to be on that and enjoying the process. You know, after that pen game last weekend, which, again, it, you know, Arkansas won by 16. Great. Uh, Villanova only beat Penn by 15, I think it was last night. So whatever, if you want to make a comp there. But uh, they didn't play as well as, as Musselman hoped they would, or, or as probably the players hoped they would, or as I hoped they would. And Musselman was pissed after the game. And he had to go home and get in trouble from Miss Daniela's wife saying, hey, dude, you guys won. Like, what's up with the stinking thinking? And that's why he came into the press conference after the UCA game with his with his Oscar the Grouch, you know, no grouchy attitudes after the game T-shirt on because, uh, you know, while you're trying to build and improve and, and hit your stride in these wins, you also have to remember to enjoy the moments. And sometimes we have to do that as fans. Like, I know at halftime last night I was sitting there thinking, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. But at the same time, sitting there watching a, a top 10 undefeated team that could do something special this year. Enjoy the process, right? But then on the other hand, you know, while he's trying to in, ensure that the guys are enjoying the moments and, and having fun and things like that, he, he's having to get on to folks, right? Because some people aren't doing their jobs right now and they're not a finished product. So it, there's a balancing act there. There really is. I do think we're starting to see some of the roles, you know, become a little bit more defined. There's going to be some inconsistency. That's to be expected. But I think we're reaching the point where uh, this team should be close to hitting its stride. It should be coming here over the next stretch of games. It needs to. But if you think about it, you know, early on, the three-point defense kind of stunk. It's improved a lot overall. You know, last night... UCA hit them for, for 7 of 10 in the first half, but Arkansas made an adjustment 2 of 11 in the second half. Good. Uh, rebounding was a question early. Now it's a strength. Uh, assists and turnovers have been both up and down. They're, they're trending right back in, the, in a good direction now. Uh, you know, they weren't able to put teams away maybe like they should have been or, or playing down to competition, whatever, but they wound up blasting UCA last night. Good signs. The glaring weakness right now is three-point shooting, and it does have to get figured out to a degree because you know you can get away with that now when you can dominate a team 60 to 16 in the paint but you can't expect to do that every night in the SEC if if SEC teams can just pack the paint and and you don't make them pay from the outside you become a lot easier to defend but i think they'll figure some things out you know note and likes those guys are going to be streaky for you if you can find some consistency with a few of those other guys we talked about Jackson Robinson Connor, when he's in there playing, he's one of nine from three right now. We know he's a better shooter than that. We know Jalen can knock one down for you. Stanley Amude is starting to heat up a little bit. He's a guy that's hit 
uh, you know, 30 plus threes in, in numerous seasons, shoots it at a pretty good clip. He's not going to go out there and go eight of nine from three in a game, uh, but he can spread the floor a little bit. Tony is a guy that can really shoot it, but he's been so good as a cutter getting to the rim and dive into the basket that you don't want to take that strength away from him. So um, he's been making the ones that he shoots, but it's a lot lower volume because he's so much better just, you know, run into the rim, backdooring guys. You know, something I found interesting, I, I kind of went back earlier in the week and just did a like a progress report, right, for the first month. What have we seen from Arkansas? How the eye test, uh, you know, matches what the voters say, what the computers and the analytics say. I'm a nerd with, with some of those numbers. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, the AP and the coaches poll right now, uh, they actually still have some preseason bias, right? And rightfully so, it's early. So you have to consider, you know, where teams are as a program, how they finished last season, how they look on paper. Otherwise, you don't really have a lot to go on when you put those rankings together. So I understand that. And, and the computers are the same way. So, you know, right now that top 10 ranking makes sense to me for Arkansas because, like I said, they started the season ranked high. All they've done is won. And other teams around them have lost. So I think they're right where they belong in terms of the voters. The computers... Uh, have been a little bit more unkind. So I, you know, I went through and looked at a, a few different sites that I think are reputable. Uh, you know, you take a look at Kempom. Kempom has Arkansas ranked number 25 in the country, uh, number 30 in adjusted offensive efficiency, number 22 in adjusted defense. Kempom projects Arkansas to finish the season 23 and 8 and 11 and 7 in the SEC. Would we take that? I wonder if. Would fans be happy with that? 23 and 8, 11 and 7 in the SEC? ESPN's BPI, on the other hand, they, they've got Arkansas ranked number 29 right now, but they haven't projected to finish 21 and 10 and 500 in SEC play. I don't I don't understand the algorithm with ESPN. I, I really don't. With the BPI, uh, the FPI that they have for football, that I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's people a lot smarter than me who are putting that stuff together, but I don't, I don't get it. For reference, you know, the, the BPI has Arkansas projected to finish 500 in the SEC. They have LSU projected to win the league. I don't think that's going to happen. Shot quality, which is exactly what it sounds like. Shotquality.com is awesome. It's, this is a, a fairly new site. Um, it really just breaks teams down and, and ranks them and evaluates them based on the shots that they produce and the shots that they give up. So it's really cool if you're into that kind of thing. They have Arkansas at number 36 right now. Um, you know, for example, Arkansas ranks number 229 in the country in overall shot selection. Uh, and it breaks down, you know, what works for them. So, like, the top shots for this team right now is anyone cutting to the rim and getting a drop-off, whether that be Tony or, or Stanley Mude or Devo. Uh, you know, cutters get into the rim, layups, great shot, makes sense. They break it down by player. So, so right now, the guys who stand out, Aldis Tony and Connor Vanover, both rank in the top 10 percentile nationally in points per possession based on the shots that they take. Well, that makes sense. But you think about Tony doing all his basket cuts and offensive rebounds and putbacks. Connor's done all of his work around the rim or getting to the free throw line, free throw line so far. So those are good quality shots. Kind of makes sense. 
really, really cool site. But the last analytics site that I wanted to bring up is, is Torvik, which I, I think is, is pretty interesting. Um, you know, the knock on these analytics, again, uh, they have some of that preseason bias baked in as well. The cool thing about Torvik is there's an algorithm that you can use to eliminate that. So it'll take any of that preseason bias out, and it only evaluates teams based on what we've seen from them so far in the season, real-time performance and production with all those factors, home, road, strength of schedule, all those things, right? So under normal settings with the preseason bias, whatever, baked in there, uh, it's interesting. It has Arkansas ranked at number 35 right now. Okay. Uh, but if you eliminate that preseason bias and just go based on that seven-game sample size, some people might think, eh, I don't know how great they've looked at, at times, and, and they're not just blowing the doors off of some of these mid-majors. They might be a lot lower than that. Not really. They only dropped to number 38, so it's only a three-spot drop. So what that tells me is, is while the eye test at times is, has made people think, like, damn, these guys have a lot of work to do, and they do, but in terms of actual performance metrics, they're right about where they're expected to be at this point in the season. Still a little bit lower than that top 10 ranking, though. We like the human vote, if, if we're Arkansas fans right now. It's funny, you know, just looking at these different numbers. Uh, we actually had a subscriber on our, our message boards that I thought had a really interesting viewpoint on how you can look at some of that stuff. And he said, look, you know, either Arkansas is going to get exposed come SEC play when the competition heats up, or this is a team that, you know, has the pieces and is likely going to improve and match the expectations with the performance as the season progresses. And I, I really think the latter is what we're talking about here, and, and he agreed. Um, but, you know, you take a look at Eric Musselman's coaching history throughout college. Uh, hey, it's a minimum of 20 wins every season as a head coach. His teams are almost exclusively playing their best basketball at the end of the year. Um, they're going to get better and improve. Still settling into their roles. Again, with a little bit more sense of urgency, I think, now, because you've hit December, you're just three and a half weeks or whatever away from the start of SEC play. So, it's, you know, it's time to, to get rolling a little bit. Maybe slightly behind where they were last year, just in, just in terms of overall uh, comfort, chemistry, efficiency, and things like that. They're still doing a lot of very good things. I think if Arkansas was shooting three uh, decently at this point, say 32% as a team, uh, we'd probably feel a lot better about things. It, it, you know, if Arkansas is making three or four more threes per game, uh, that really opens things up. It, it looks a little bit less clunky. People are a little bit more excited, I think. So if they get that short up, I think they're going to be in a pretty good spot. But, you know, looking ahead, like I said earlier, keep stacking wins because I, I could see a scenario this year where the top five to six teams in the SEC uh, really stack up wins against the, the barbecue chicken of the league, right, the, the bottom feeders of the league, and, and then they really beat up on each other. So to me, you know, I was talking about some of those projections, 11 and 7, 500, whatever. Uh, I could see – this being a year where there's not that dominant team in the SEC that goes 16 and two, right? Uh, maybe 13 and five or 12 and six is enough to get you in that you know top four range, double buy range for the SEC tournament. I think it could be. We'll see. All right.
Looks like we got a few questions, comments today. Let's see what we got here. Josh Wilbank says they are good. I agree. I agree. Todd Drake says, are we still recruiting Anthony Black? You know, the interesting thing about Anthony Black is I think, you know, with his, for those who don't know, Anthony Black's five-star uh, borderline top 25 prospect in the 2022 class, Duncanville, Texas, uh, 6'7", point guard, super talented player uh, that Arkansas was, was heavily on. Um he ran into a situation, an eligibility situation. You guys remember what happened with Nick Smith, where for a while there, we, we didn't know if he was going to be able to play for North Little Rock. He got it worked out. Um, different circumstances, but same situation with Anthony Black at Duncanville down there in Texas. And I think that really slowed down his recruitment. You know, at the time, it was, I think Oklahoma State was probably leading there. Um, Gonzaga, Arkansas, definitely in the mix. Anthony Black took, a, he took an official visit. To Arkansas, I'm pretty sure it was the weekend of the Georgia Southern football game. I think it was the week after Nick Smith had a really good time. Uh, by all accounts, really enjoyed it. Was really impressed with with everything that Arkansas had to offer. And that eligibility stuff happened, and for about a month, uh, you know, I think they really put the recruiting stuff on the back burner to focus on that. And and he's cleared now, so he's back in action. Or, or I don't know what they call it. It's a, it's temporary. I guess at, at any point they could revoke his eligibility. And this is nothing of, of his doing, by the way. Uh, really unfortunate circumstance. But I do think that slowed things down. Um, it's interesting. You know, I, I think Oklahoma State is the favorite at this point. Uh, every time he's played, been in action, they've had the full staff out there. Uh, Arkansas hasn't been as, as heavy of a presence. Uh, but I don't think that means they've stopped recruiting him, um, keeping in touch, talking to him. They're also recruiting some of his teammates. You think about 2023 guy uh, like Ron Holland, five-star forward. Uh, so Arkansas is going to be out there and be around. And I guess the thing that I would say is, you know, the early signing period is passed at this point. Um, Arkansas signed off all five of their commitments. Uh, you know, but that next opportunity is not going to come until the spring. There's a long time between now and then. So if I'm Arkansas, I continue to stay engaged, kick the tires, uh, and see what happens. Because, yeah, maybe he's an Oklahoma State lean right now, but who knows what's going to happen with that situation, right? Like Mike Boynton as the coach, but they're dealing with that postseason ineligibility. Uh, does that derail their season at all? Or are they going to rally around it? Uh, you never know what's going to happen there. Um you never know what's going to happen in the transfer portal and things like that. So I, I think it would be wise, especially if you're recruiting one of his teammates, hey, stay involved with Anthony Black. Um, I don't expect Arkansas to, to be the final landing spot there, but who's to say that couldn't change by March or April when it's decision time for him? I guess he could make a decision before that, but he can't sign until the until the late signing period. So um, not expecting it, but... You know, maybe that, that door is, is left cracked just a little bit because there's so much time between now and then. It's a good question. Isaac Riley says, Hog Hoops Live. Yes, sir. I enjoy this. I, I miss it. It's always weird to start it up. Like, you, you know, you want to get the show started around the beginning of the season, but it's it's usually jam-packed with everything we got going on with football and then the Thanksgiving holiday. I don't know if I'd have a single person watching this or, or listening to it around Thanksgiving. Maybe travel time. I didn't think about that for the podcast, but I was in Kansas City, so we had we had a couple of videos there. But it's fun; it's a good show. I enjoy doing it. 
Josh Wilbank says they have not played uh, anybody that could outscore them yet. You know, that's true. It's very true. Um, you know, you think about some of the more difficult games they have had. I immediately think about those two neutral site games, right? So Kansas State and Cincinnati, but those are both defensive, heavy, punch-you-in-the-mouth, physical-type teams. But you're right. They're not the teams that are going to light up the scoreboard. Um, I think probably the best offensive team Arkansas has faced so far, Northern Iowa, probably, the group that came in here and, and hit 17 threes and lost. Which, by the way, that win's looking a little bit better now that they went and beat number 16 St. Bonaventure. But that's true. So they're going to be facing some more offensive talent at some point here. Uh, so they've got to be able to match it. And they do. Arkansas has got a lot of firepower offensively, but I do mean from the three-point line. Uh, it's one thing to be playing better three-point defense than Arkansas has, right? But when you're not making shots yourself, it's almost like every time the opponent makes a three, it's amplified. It's like they hit two because you're not sure you can go down there and answer with one of your own. Right? And it's so like I said, I don't think Arkansas is going to suddenly become a team that shoots 40% from three. Um, you know, and they're knocking down 12 to 15 a game. But, you know, if they could get to that 32 to 33% range and give you eight a game, enough to keep people honest, enough to spread the floor, enough to create a little bit of a spurt at times. And they'll get it, I think, especially from guys like Note and Likes, Jackson, if, if he starts getting more run. Um, then you're in a pretty good spot. Just be average as a shooting team because you excel at everything else. Uh, then I think you're going to be okay. That's a good point, though. Ronnie says, Jalen should be SEC Player of the Year. I assume you're talking about Jalen Williams. Listen, Jalen Williams is... Uh, He's impressive. You know, I, I just, I love the way he carries himself. It's, it, it is, I sound maybe a lot older than I am, but it's refreshing to see somebody who just doesn't care about scoring and getting shots and getting the accolades. Like Musselman said last night, what he cares about is, is the Arkansas on the chest, whatever he's got to do to help the team win. What's my assignment? What do you need me to do? Let me go out there and execute it. And he does every single night sacrifices his body to take charges you need a block shot he'll get you one assist fine he'll go out there and lead the team oh you need a dozen rebounds on a given night great the only thing i would like to see from him and i think if he does this we're talking all sec and when i did a, a before the season i did a five bold predictions piece and i i projected Jalen williams to be all sec he does have to score it a little bit more it doesn't have to be crazy but i think there's no reason with some of the shots that this team takes at times, why can't Jalen Williams get five to seven shots guaranteed per game? Why not? Maybe one or two three-pointers, but throw it down there to him in the post. He's talented. He's skilled. And he knows when to take a shot and, and when to hit a cutter. He's smart enough, but I would like him to be a little bit more assertive to score. I thought he was in the second half against UCA last night. That could take his game to another level. He's such an important piece of this team. really is. Andrew Sawyer says, what do you think about Davis at this point? Well, uh, up until last night, I was concerned, to, to be perfectly honest with Devo, uh, just looked uncomfortable and not like himself. You know, I, I remember, I guess it was after, I don't remember if it was the Penn game or, or the Cincinnati game, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but uh, 
like I said earlier, I do those player grades after every game. And I, I think I graded him at a C minus, you know, maybe it was a little harsh. I don't know, but a, a couple people commented and that's cool. I, I love the feedback just saying, man, you think you're maybe a little harsh on Devo. And my point was, okay, watch that game that he played against Kansas State or Cincinnati or whoever it was, and then go watch a vintage Devo performance. Go watch any of those NCAA tournament games and and tell me the difference. So if those games are his A game, then what is he given right now? And I think in the second half against UCA was about as close to the Devo Davis A game as we've seen. And that's good. It's a tough transition. And listen, it's not it's not like point guard is is Greek to him. He played a ton of it in high school. But at the college level, it's a little bit different. You have some different responsibilities. And like I said earlier, I think he's just overthinking things a little bit. Not sure when he should shoot, when he should look to distribute. And what makes Devo such a special player is he's almost, well, he almost scares the hell out of you when he's playing. Because you never know what you're going to get. And it's something Musselman said over and over last year. Like He's, he's just going to get the ball and go. And more often than not, good things happen. Because he's not thinking. He's playing free. It's It's unique his style of play. And I, I think we saw him getting back to that a little bit last night. I really hope it's a sign of things to come. Cause like I said, more good Devo means more good Arkansas, uh, you know, coming into that game, he was averaging six points per game, 38% from the field. He'd only gotten to the free throw line four times all season, um, led the team in turnovers. He's better than that. We all know that it's just a matter of time before he breaks out. I think we saw a mini breakout last night, um, hopefully he continues to build that momentum going forward because as good as he is as a defender, uh, if he can really develop into kind of a multifaceted lead guard who can score and distribute, especially uh, with the other weapons that he's got around him and Tony, Stanley Amude, uh, Note, he could be a really, really good player. I like to see him having fun again. I think he's heading in the right direction. I would not have said that at halftime last night. Yeah, wow. Rob Hopper says even Georgia looks good. You know, I thought they looked pitiful all year. Uh, any Georgia basketball I'd watch, but then they they go out and beat Memphis last night. So it goes to show you that in the SEC, nothing is guaranteed. You know, I, I know I said, hey, the schedule's backloaded and everything like that, and it is with the top tier teams. But it doesn't mean there's a night off just because you play Georgia or Missouri or. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, seems to have players. So, no guarantees for sure. Jeff Brown says, Woo Pig Suey from Heber Springs, bring on Kentucky. Bring them on. I'm ready for that game. You know, it's it's been interesting so far because, obviously, Bud Walton Arena has been sold out, season sellout. We know. Uh, but the crowds have been, eh so far that's not a knock on the fans I, I get it you know that it's not the most exciting of matchups and what I'll say about that is you know, and that's what people say I'm like man if they were playing somebody a little bit better I'd be more prone to show up at you know eight o'clock on a Wednesday night or something uh, I'm not sure how many really good teams are that thrilled about the prospects coming to Bud Walton Arena and getting beat because it's almost a guaranteed loss when you come there and the environments is what you want it to be so been a little bit um, light so far. I think that's to be expected. But as the the schedule picks up, Bud Walton's going to really get rocking. 
And that Kentucky game, to go back to your to your point, oh my gosh, it's going to be crazy. I can't I can't wait for that uh, because I think both teams are going to be highly ranked at the time. Uh, marquee matchup. We remember what happened last time Kentucky came to town with with Coach Cal getting ejected. Um, could be a special day. Hog Tunes, what's up? Love what you do, by the way. Hello, Curtis. Thanks for the coverage. Who, in your opinion, is our best overall basketball player right now? Oh man, that's uh, that's a really loaded question. Um, I would probably go right now with Audis Tony. Um, listen, if we're talking offensively, I. I Oh, you really got me here. I'm gonna go with Tony, and I, I'll give the, uh, you know, maybe the honorable mention to JD Note just because I mean, when when he's good, he's as good as anybody in the country, on both ends of the floor, but he's been really streaky and, and kind of inconsistent offensively. I think Tony's been your most consistent guy, on both ends of the floor. Um, just you can play him at any position almost. Uh, you know, he's been knocking down his shots, really getting to the rim. I think he's the best cutter in college basketball. Uh, incredible effort in the lane and, and on the glass, offensive and defensive boards. Uh, and then defensively, I think Tony's so important to this team because they're going to get to the point in SEC play where they're playing NBA draft pick wings every night. That might be sized out of like Devo or, or JD's range in terms of matchups, who you want them to guard. Uh, and Tony, you know, at, at 6'6 plus, he's 210 pounds, big, strong guy. Uh, what he can do defensively inside and out, I, I think is huge for the team. And, and there's no better example than what he did against Cincinnati. Jeremiah Davenport's a, a guy who just torched uh, Illinois for 20 plus points in a blowout over them. He's their leading scorer. And Aldis goes out there and shuts him down. Nothing. Zero points, minus 15 with him on the floor. Uh, that kind of lockdown defense to go along with what he's given you offensively and, and on the glass, just complete player. I'll give it to Audis for now. Justin Starn says, can you please explain the new game statistical platform they use during in-game that are provided to the benches on iPads that I've seen them talk about? Yeah, so I'm still trying to figure out some of that myself, but what I will say, it was really cool, in Kansas City on, on Press Row, um, they had those tablets available for us and uh, it, there's a software called shot tracker that they use it's unreal um, they'll put a little like a chip in, in people's jerseys uh, and you can kind of track every bit of data uh, from shots to you know where it came from was it running off of the screen was it pulling up off of the dribble was it uh, you know second side to third side rotation with ball it's, it's crazy any type of scenario you could imagine they can come up with and it's all in real time and so I, I think that really gives coaching staffs the ability now uh, to follow that a lot better because I look I know when I was coaching and in, in, in AI ball we weren't really sure we you know we'd have a GA that was kind of you know trying to do the shot chart and track it the best he could um, at, you know during timeouts we might get a printout of the stat sheet now you have this all right in front of you, and if you want to look at something specific, boom, 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 make a couple taps, and then you have the information that you need. If another player comes in off of the bench and you need to get a report on him, boom, 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 make a couple taps, 
swipe left, whatever you do, and you got all the information you need. So I, I think it just streamlines things quite a bit. Um, but I'm not exactly sure what all they have access to with that. And so that's something I need to look into. I might ask that question at a press conference, actually. That's, that's a really good thought. Jeff Brown says, is ESPN actually paying attention? I don't think so. Listen, I don't know. <laughs> BPI, FPI, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there at all. Joshua Miller says we're playing tougher than our opponents in the second half of games. That's true. A uh, little bit flat to start, it seems, at times. Uh, you know, Muss has talked about that spurt ability where team will look dead in the water and all of a sudden they put a 15-2 to run on somebody. We've seen a lot of that. Uh, again, still waiting for that full 40 minutes. I, I thought they kind of slept walk through the first half last night. But you're right, a lot tougher uh, and more intense in the second half. I guess you'd like that more than the alternative, right? If you're going to pick a half, be better in the second half. But um, hopefully we see a little bit more consistency moving forward. Aaron Anderson says, the main issues I've seen so far are shot selection and, and errant passes. Yeah, um, they have run into some bad habits with shot selection. I, I think when the defense is really tightened up at times, they ran into a, really some stretches there was, you know, it's just JD or – Chris just really pounding the rock, dribble, 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 and and forcing up a shot, and that's not what they need. Um, I do like the adjustments they made uh, and kind of letting Jalen Williams facilitate things. And so what you'll see with that is they're kind of letting him, I mean, he's like a point forward. So instead of posting up a ton on the block, you'll see him flash up to the elbow. They'll hit him with the entry pass. And then he really operates from there. He can turn and maybe hit Tony as a cutter. He can have JD or Chris come off and hit him with the handoff, or he can skip it to the corner to a shooter. So they get him the ball in there to the elbow in those situations and really let him pick his poison. And that's when I think they've looked their best. And I think that's actually eliminated some of that poor shot selection. Um, could still get a little bit better there, but I, I think that's helped a lot. It's a good look for him. Uh, the errant passes, yeah, and, and Muss has made the baseball reference of, you know, they're just trying to hit too many home runs and grand slams instead of taking a single or a double, right, and just really trying to thread the needle, get a little too fancy at times. We see it a lot in transition. This team forces a lot of turnovers. They'll get out on the break, and, uh, you know, maybe they try to make a no look or, you know, a, a give and go or whatever. Um, it's just bobbled or not on the money, and, and they're turning it back over. I think a, a lot of that is just continuing to develop chemistry. Uh, but but you're right. does need to get a little bit better. Joey Moses says, the guys are fine. Once they get it figured out, they'll be a tough out. The thing that bothers me more than anything is the fact that uh, Muss has loose reins on the guards. Sometimes you put their butt on the bench for an extended amount of time to get their attention. Sure. I, I, the a couple of things I'll say about that is, you know, one – who are you going to put in uh, at this point? You know, um, KK is, has gotten some run. He got a lot of run last night. Looks very uncomfortable right now. And, and it's it's weird. It's kind of a balancing act. Like you, he probably needs to play to regain that confidence and get more comfortable. But at the same time, uh, you got to be in a position where you can afford to put him in there and play through those mistakes. Um, and so I think he's leaning on the proven guys a little bit more right now. 
Um, and then he's also, I think he also realizes that and he's been making some moves to that regard. So last night, if you, if you were watching, it was interesting. The jump ball happens and, uh, and UCA kind of jumped the tip and, and stole it and went down for a layup. They missed the layup, but, um, it just kind of set the tone for the whole half. And no sooner than that happened, Chris likes goes up to the scorer's table. He checks in for JD Note. Well, as it turns out, uh, you know, something in the scouting report was that they like to try to jump that tip uh, or I guess jump in the passing lanes or the tipping lanes uh, and try to steal that jump ball and take it coast to coast. They do it every game. And so a big emphasis for JD was, hey, you've got to seal off your guy on the jump ball to make sure that doesn't happen. He didn't do it. They almost got the layup. Must yanked him. Right. Aldis Tony didn't like the, you know, the energy or, or whatever that he was bringing in the first half. Yanked him, set him most of the time in the rest of the first half, and then gave him another shot in the second half. So I do think he's realizing that. And it's interesting with Muss because he's always been really big on he doesn't want guys looking over their shoulder thinking they're going to get taken out. He wants them to be able to play through some mistakes. And so what he said last night is, look, a missed shot, that's going to happen. But if, if we have a particular assignment and guys aren't doing what they're told or, or they're getting careless with the ball and turning it over, they got to come out. So I, I think he's realizing that and maybe just a little bit more accountability, uh, kind of like you said. So that's an interesting thought, and I, I, think he's, uh, I think he sees what you see. Let's see. John Dexter, looks like we got a couple more here. John Dexter says, I'd be okay with 13-5 and in SEC play. Uh, that might be enough to win the SEC championship this season. If we lose that many conference games, we'll drop in the rankings, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Thirteen and five, I think, would be would be pretty good. Um, I don't necessarily see this team losing many games at home, if any. Assuming that you know, if, if the crowd really shows up, you know, as a as a season sellout for SEC play, you'd think they're going to have really good crowds every night. Man, Bud Walton's just a hard place to come in and, and beat Arkansas. I think you got to be ten points better than Arkansas and Bud Walton Arena if you're going to beat them in front of a really good crowd. So. Uh, you know, with that, then just go 500 or, or a little bit better on the road, and, and boom, you're there, 13-5. I know I make it sound like it's really easy to do, uh, but, yeah, I think I think 13-5 is reasonable. Would that drop them in the rankings? Maybe. Um, I think it depends on how you finish the non-conference slate. Does this Oklahoma game become a really big one if you get the win? How's their season going to play out? West Virginia, how are they when you see them for the SEC Big 12 Challenge? And then – where do those losses come from? You know, if you avoid a head scratcher, if you, as long as you don't pull a Memphis and lose to Georgia, uh, then maybe you're in, in a pretty good spot. But you know, if, if the team goes through the season with with five or six, seven losses, I mean, they're they're going to be top twenty and be in line for a really good seed at least come uh, NCAA tournament time. Joey Moses says, "Put Davis on the low block. Yeah, put him down there." Hey, if, if he's getting, you know, if he's the point guard, then a lot of times he'll be defended by the opposing point guard. If he's got a mismatch as long as he is, as good as he is with that left hand little jump hook finish, why not? Tim Hudson says, Curtis, what's up, man? What's up? So I feel like this team is a lot more gritty than last year's team, but isn't as smooth if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. They are gritty. After that uh, that tournament win in Kansas City, Musselman said that they're probably the toughest team in the country right now, and I agree. Those were two gritty wins. That's a great word for it. They're grinding it out. They're doing it defensively. Um, it ain't pretty, 
always, but they're getting the job done. And and it's not as smooth right now uh, as it was last year. Can it get there? I think so. Uh, a lot of it revolves around figuring out exactly what they're doing with the point guard position. Again, you know, that, that second half of that UCA game, you started to see what you wanted to see from Devo. Uh, and then if you can get guys knocking down a few more shots, I think it just becomes a lot more aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you know, passing the eye test is what I keep going back to. Joey Moses says 23, 10, 0, 5, and 1. That is the lineup. Indeed. Indeed it is. He said, compare the body of Davis to the young Jordan at North Carolina. Put him on the low block and challenge him. Get the turnaround jumper going first. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a good point, actually. Like, if, if you want Devo to do a lot of his work um, around the rim and the mid-range and things like that, we'll put him in positions to get the ball there. Um, I, I thought... He made a couple threes early in the season, which, hey, that's great. You love to see that from Devo. But then he started getting a little three happy for a couple games, taking some contested ones off the dribble, and you're like, okay. Like last year, dude, you took one dribble inside the three-point line and pulled up. It's money, guaranteed. So let's see a little bit more of that, right? And then, you know, I, I think that they can facilitate a lot of what you're talking about just with what they do with Jalen Williams, you know, uh, enter it in there to him at the elbow, let Devo maybe run off a handoff. And then you've got that ball in that 12 to 15 foot range. You can pull up, you can go to the rim, whatever you want to do. So I think there are a lot of different looks you can get um, off of that. They, they call it pinch post action with uh, with Jay Will. And he's got a great two-man game with all these guys. What he does with uh, J.D. Note off the handoffs and in the pick and roll, those guys have great chemistry. And Jay Will has that with everybody. It's because he's such a great team player. Elder Reginald Allen says, relax. Hogs will put it together and be a great team. Still trying to get the chemistry together. Hogs going to be fine. I think you're all panicking way too soon. Who's panicking? No panic. I just I get it, though, from both sides. You know, We all know they're going to put it together, but as, as games go by and go by, uh, you want to see them really start to hit their stride before the 29th. Of December, right when when SEC play starts, and and they will, they're taking steps in the right direction. Again, like I said, uh, you know, you got to have the balancing act of, of wanting to see them improve while also understanding they're seven and zero and and top ten in the country, and they're one of fourteen teams that hasn't taken a loss yet. So a lot of things to be really excited about. Um, while also understanding they got to get better. Again, I think really the glaring issue right now is is the three point shots. You know. 3 of 22, 3 of 17 twice, 4 of 18 in the last four games. Uh, you know, if, if they're getting five or six makes even in those games, just a couple more a game, I really think it changes a lot of, of the perception that some people have that, you know, they're they're struggling or they're not as good as last year or, or whatever people might think. Uh, they're going to be fine. And I think uh, I think for the most part people agree with that. Okay. It's been an hour. I think it's probably a pretty good stopping point then for the day. You know, it's a it's a big weekend coming up for Arkansas Athletics. Razorbacks take on Little Rock Saturday again, three o'clock. That game's on SEC Network. Uh, hey, we'll find out where the football team's going bowling. I, I think we'll know about that by the end of the weekend. Uh, our next episode of Hog Hoops Live is probably going to come the day after the Charlotte game. 
Uh, so we'll be back Wednesday. We'll talk about that. We'll preview the Oklahoma game. Uh, and then I'll come to you with a live reaction video. I'm going to go to Tulsa uh, and check out that Oklahoma game. So plenty to look forward to if you if you like following along. I, I sure do appreciate it. Uh, the interaction, answering the questions, things like that. Those are my you know my favorite parts of doing this. So uh, certainly appreciate it. Again, you know, uh, a last reminder: if you get a chance, go hop on the uh, the YouTube page for Hog Hoops Live. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, follow us on Hog Sports anywhere you get your podcast. Remember, you can find that the exact same spot that you find Hog Sports Live with Trey. And uh, I think that about wraps it up. Appreciate you guys for listening, and we'll. Uh, We'll see you next time on Hawk Hoops Live. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.